We've already read it tonight, uh, Numbers 6 and 22, but we can never have too much of the word. You can remain seated uh, tonight. We've already uh, read it once as we were standing, but uh, the Bible uh, declares to us in Numbers 6, 22, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise you shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance. Everyone say countenance upon thee and give thee peace. I love verse 27 as well. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. Tonight, I want to talk to us about the blessing of God's face. The blessing of God's face. I might teach, I might treach a little bit too. That's the half and half thing. Uh, if I start spitting, that means I'm in preach mode. I always tell you, what's the difference between preaching to you? I spit more whenever I preach. That's what I tell everyone. The ironic blessing is about the power of blessing and the power of our words. The scriptures teach us that our words have the power to bless and with the help of God to bring healing, to build up, to encourage. But on the flip side of that, be careful because our words also have the power to kill, to tear down, to destroy, and to bring cursing. We know that the power of life and death is in this small member, our tongue. What kind of words, this is the message before the message tonight. What kind of words come out of your mouth? We understand the teachings of the scripture which declare to us that a fountain, a spring cannot produce bitter water and sweet. The same way, speaking blessing and cursing is a problem in the kingdom of God. What words are we speaking every day that we live? We need to be incredibly careful about the words that we speak, brothers and sisters. Because your words can tear down or they can lift up. I don't know about you, but of all the ministries that you and I can be involved in. I know that there are different talents in this room. Some have talents for preaching and for singing and for cooking and for greeting and for doing all kinds of other things, teaching, whatever it might be. But you know what? All of us can operate in the ministry of speaking blessing to people who are both of the household of faith and those that have not yet come to our faith. But if... Our mouth is bringing forth as well bitter things. becomes problematic. The irony of this is that 
the very person who was commissioned, he and his seed, to speak this blessing, understood the power of negative speech. Did not Aaron and Miriam speak against the wife of of Moses? But God said, it's time to find a place of repentance. I have given you power in your mouth. Now, it's no longer just a suggestion. He said, this is a commandment. And in fact, in all of the 613 mitzvot that are in the first five books of the scripture, one of those commandments is the commandment of the priestly, the Aaronic blessing. God said, I have allowed you to live in what what you lived in your past. I've allowed you to get through it. You paid the price for that. You understood the punishment of what happened. And I delivered you from it. But now I'm commanding you to a new place. It's time to start speaking blessing. It's time to start speaking positive things to God's people. And that is exactly what happened. So what kind of words come from our mouth, especially to our spouse, to our family, to our children, but as well those who are not of the household of faith. We must remember that we are witnesses unto God. And the words that we speak are the testimony that people see. We are epistles known and read of all men. Charity begins at home. How, how do we speak blessings over our children? That love that we speak over our spouse to bless those as well that curse you. You know, it is a tough thing to live in a world full of cursing. And to not be affected by it. How do you overcome it? The more cursing you hear. I'm not just talking about four letter words. Listen, you can curse your brother or sister and never use one of the four letter words. You can speak evil and not... Say the wordy dirds. Are you with me tonight? Am I making sense tonight? So it's, it's incredibly important that we understand this. Living in a world full of cursing, God has commanded us to speak blessing. And I don't know about you, but I am grateful that the blood of the Messiah, through that we are now, even though as far as The flesh goes, perhaps no one in this room is of the seed or the bloodline of Aaron. You're not a Cohen, uh, a priest uh, in that sense. But guess what? Through the blood of the Messiah, we are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. That's you and that's me. We are a Kadosh nation, a holy nation, and a peculiar So now guess what? God commanded the priesthood to speak blessing. And guess what? He has also commanded us as a royal priesthood through the blood of the Messiah to speak blessing in this world. And can the church say amen? Amen. Everyone say that that was the prelude. That's a sermon in and of itself, isn't it? The blessings that are spoken. The ironic blessing is incredibly important. And Pastor already took uh, my story about the 
Birchat uh, Konim, which is uh, the uh, priestly blessing. Um, it's amazing. Now, it's going on all the time. The uh, priestly blessing, it happens at many of the different festivals, especially those that are the feasts of pilgrimage. And, of course, Sukkos, or the Feast of Tabernacles, is one of those. So it's interesting uh, to gather at the Kotel, the Western Wall in Jerusalem. And when the kind of the precursor to the blessing being spoken out over loudspeaker and tens and tens of thousands of people crammed in as close as they can get. The holy hush that kind of comes over the crowd. It, it is the loudest silence that how people, so many in the crowd, can fall silent at the same time. And whenever the blessing is spoken, it's interesting because there are traditions that have developed. Of course, they're from the scripture. The Bible talks about Aaron lifting up his hands and blessing the people. And um, I have a picture uh, that I want to show you of, uh, of the uh, blessing, the priest. Um, let's go to the next one. Uh, yes, there we go. Uh, this is a picture of uh, the koanim or the priest when they're speaking the blessing. Okay, And the hands are extended like this, as you can see depicted uh, in front of you tonight. Now, as well, in present day, oftentimes they're covered with a prayer shawl and stretching their hands out this way. And this is something that happens still today, as we've already said at the Western Wall. But as well, some synagogues also, have, if they have a member of that particular synagogue that is a direct descendant of Aaron, they will call them to the front at the end of the service to at the last, it's kind of like a benediction to stretch out their hands, but no one is allowed to look during the Birkat Kohanim, during the priestly blessing. You're supposed to have your eyes adverted, closed is better, looking down while the blessing is spoken. And it was at some point in the early part of last, uh, the last century that in a synagogue, there was a little boy by the name of Leonard who peaked during the Birkat Kohanim, during the priestly blessing. Wasn't supposed to, but he wanted to peek. He said, I, I want to see. They keep telling me not to look. Well, when you tell a child not to do something, what do they do? They're going to look. You know, tell somebody, even adults, wet paint, and you'll, you'll see them touch it. You know, I just want to see if it's really wet, you know. You tell a kid to do something, they're, they're, a lot of times they're going to do it. Well, this little boy named Leonard peeked at the Birkat Kohanim, the priestly blessing, and changed not just the world, but our galaxy forever. Next picture. <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. Spock. Brother Spock. Because he peaked during the priestly blessing and he saw the way the hands were shaped, he actually was the one that invented this hand gesture for his character. But notice 
that the words that would be said concurrent with this gesture was not words of cursing, but he maintained it was still a word of blessing, and we all know what that blessing is. All over the galaxy, live long and prosper. Hey, I'll take, it. I'll take that from Brother Spock. Amen. So just wanted to kind of lighten things up a little bit tonight. So this is where uh, the priestly blessing found a home in Hollywood. Amen. Essentially, you can take Brother Spock off of there now because somebody's going to take a picture of it and incriminate me. It's already done. Oh, boy. Essentially, there are three blessings in the Aaronic blessing. We're going to break those down uh, for just a moment, and then we're going to talk about some of the specifics. There's always context to what we see in the Scripture. And in this, there is some powerful context. That's what we want to see tonight. We say that there are three blessings, three portions. Though we look at it, it seems like six. But actually, it's two in the first blessing, two in the second, two in the third. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Every Friday, we speak this blessing over our family. It's something that I believe we should speak over our families. It's something that I believe if it's written in the scripture... And we are priests today. Speak it over your family. The amazing context about this, and I want to bring our attention specifically to two parts because uh, I've got a volume of things I could say about these three blessings. But I want to focus upon something that is lying just below the surface and that is the word face and the word countenance the Lord make his face shine upon thee the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee now when we read it in the King Jesus version of the scripture uh, it uses two different words doesn't it face and countenance so we tend to think maybe it's two different words but actually the Hebrew it is the same word one of the great topics of the Aaronic blessing is the face of God. All about His face. Now, when we go and when we understand what was happening here, let's look at the context. Sometimes chapters and verses, we, we tend to think that there's a lot of time between chapters and sometimes even verses. But when we go from chapter 6 into chapter 7, the very first verse of chapter number 7 declares to us that the tabernacle's finished. God established this blessing as part of 
the blessing over the finished tabernacle. So now let's look at what the scripture declares. Now we know this blessing again. Let me make sure that this is clear. Because if you miss this part, you're going to miss my Sunday punch on Wednesday night. The blessing was a dedication blessing at the conclusion of the tabernacle's construction. Now when we see the bird's eye view of the tabernacle, we and rightfully so, see it as the shape of a cross. Because as believers, yeah, we see the cross everywhere. And that's a good thing. That's good. However, there is another shape that is trying to, can I say it like this, peek at us in the tabernacle that is also greatly represented and that is connected to the context of this blessing, and that is a face. I want us to uh, go ahead and let's put up the tabernacle uh, overview. Thank you. Before I go into that, I want us to understand this point about Moses. Deuteronomy 34 and 10 declares... And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew, what? Face to face. Hold the phone. Did not Moses ask to see God's face and his glory? But what did, what did God say? No man can see me in what? So he let him see the hinder parts, right? right? He set him up and said, here's what you can see. God kept him from seeing. But the amazing thing about this is that it almost sounds like a contradiction. Because here we have a scripture that says Moses did. He knew him face to face. How is that possible? Moses was a man who had, who had experienced many great things from God. However, he also was a man that desired greatly to see the face of God. That desire was in him. I feel that desire in the hearts of God's people tonight. Why? Because we know that when we seek his face, his glory fills the place as we worship the king. But no man can see God and live. However, the amazing thing is that Moses did know God face to face because the face of God is in the tabernacle. Now, I want us to really get an understanding of what God had asked Moses to do here. Moses built two cities for Pharaoh. He was an architect. He was skilled in that field. So we think about building a tent out of skins. He was kind of underemployed in a way. Right, right. Problem is, 
that the great architect of the universe was the one commanding him. So you do what he says. There was strict blueprints. Listen carefully. In those blueprints, there is something that God was trying to do. He was trying to reconcile his presence with mankind. Imagine what it must have been to be Adam. Walking with God in the cool of the day. His face never hidden. But now because that sin had driven a great wedge between God and man. Now God is trying to bring man to a place of reconciliation. And he said the only way that I can do that is by showing my face in the tabernacle. It's an amazing thing to think about. So the diagram of the tabernacle. I know there's a lot of text on this one. Forgive me for that. Just know that uh, there's a lot I would love to say about the tabernacle tonight. But I'm going to have mercy on God's people. There is a head, a nose, two eyes, and a mouth. It is believed, uh, very ancient documents, the Midrash, which is a commentary that was always concurrent with the Torah. I'm talking about the times before even the Messiah. The ark was where the Shekhinah dwelled, the Shekinah, we say in English. Well, this idea, this doctrine, is that the mind is where the seat of the soul is, right here. So we think about our soul, we think, where is it? Well, it's believed that the seat of the soul is in the mind. And it just so happens to be where the Ark of the Covenant is. Now again, we can easily see the cross here as well, can't we? The golden candlestick is a representation of one of the eyes because it was the only light in the holy place. It was the only thing that could allow eyes to see in the holy place. You could not see anything without the golden candlesticks being lit. And they could not be lit without pure anointing oil. These things had to be present to see in the holy place. The table of showbread was the other eye. Well, how is that possible? Well, in modern terms, we would say, I just look at 12 loaves of bread and I gain weight. (laughs) That would be the 2019 explanation of it. Come on, where's my keto people in here? Come on now. I mean, you know, we look at it and we're like, Come on, somebody, you know. Although it was a good bread, it was sprinkled with bitter frankincense. Both Ezekiel as well as John the Revelator spoke 
of eating this bread, the roll, if you will. And they both testified of the sweetness as well as the bitterness of it. Is that not the word of the Lord? It's sweetness to my spirit, but sometimes it's bitterness to my flesh. Has anybody in this place ever felt bitter about something that was preached to you before? And you thought, boy, and you knew it was your flesh kicking against what the Word of God says. Aren't you thankful that we can still feel conviction? Amen. Amen. But the amazing thing is this. While the golden candlestick illuminates the physical room, the bread, the Word of God illuminates the spirit and brings spiritual eye-opening and spiritual revelation. In other words, we could say of this table of showbread, O taste and that the Lord is good. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord? Psalm 34 and 8, O taste and see. There is a connection between tasting and seeing. This is the second eye. Very easy for us to understand tonight, church family, about the golden altar of incense. Filled the holy place with the odor of perfume that permeated that place. That is the nose. The brazen altar... On the outside of the tent itself was like a mouth that consumed the sacrifices that were made unto the God of Israel. Very easy to understand that as well. Now again, let me bring it up to 2019. Was the biggest part of furniture, the tabernacle, and I guess... Having a big mouth is biblical. I don't know. I mean, it's just, okay, never You didn't get it. It's all right. But what about the brazen laver? It was made from what? The mirrors of the women of Israel. But was it a Hebrew thing? To have mirrors, especially if you're a slave? No. Where did they get these mirrors? Egypt. God said, you're going to donate these for the purpose of the brazen labor. Now, understand, this is important. Their mirrors were not like the mirrors in the bathrooms here, the ones at your home. These mirrors were made out of brass, and they saw their reflection in the brass. That's how they made their mirrors back in the Dizay. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. So, all of these were then melted down and became the brazen laver. Because God said, I'm tired of you focusing on your face all the time. Too many people are living their life all about their own face. 
God said, I'm going to take that vanity away from you. And I'm going to make this now a part of cleansing and a part of washing inside the tabernacle. In fact, what do we call a, a uh, three-mirrored or sometimes it's two mirrors, sometimes one mirror with a little dresser and a little stool? What do we call that? Vanity. A vanity. God said, we got to get the vanity out of the camp of Israel. Because it's not about my face. And it's not about your face. God said, I don't, oh boy, God said, I don't want you painting your faces like the Egyptians did. Oh boy, see, you thought I was going to teach tonight and here I'm about to get up behind the pulpit. God said, it's all about my face. If you'll worry more about my face, you won't be so concerned about your own vanity and about your own lust. It's all about the face of God. So that's the reason why this prayer of dedication was all about the face of God. It was at the dedication upon the completion of the tabernacle that Aaron was instructed how to be a conduit for blessing God's people. So the Bible goes on to say, is this making sense? I want to make sure that I'm, because if not, I have to go back and start all over. I don't want to do that tonight. You'll be here. Praise God. I've got one. Amen. My wife drove separately, so she might not be one. Okay. Okay. There's something powerful that we can find as we move forward. Because there was the tabernacle in the wilderness, but there was also another tabernacle. And what was it called? The tabernacle of David, right? There were two tabernacles. One was in the wilderness. One was the tabernacle of David, as we understand. First Chronicles 16 and 11 declares, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek the Lord and His strength. That might be Second Chronicles 16. Is that where it's at? Thank you. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. Now, I'm going to go on from that because I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. Do we understand the context of what was happening in this portion? David had just got the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And what did he say? He was trying to get the tabernacle of David going, and he said, i got to say something about the face. Seek his face continually. So then, the Bible declares to us, in Psalm 27 and verse number 8. Now remember... By the time that we get to David, there has been all kinds of war. There have been all kinds of problems going on in the kingdom. We understand that. And what had happened to the Ark of the Covenant was gone. The furniture of the tabernacle was kind of just strewn about. But God said something to David. The 27th Psalm, verse number 8 
When thou saidest, seek ye my face. This was God speaking to David. When thou saidest, seek ye my face. Listen, my heart said, thy face, Lord, will I seek. There are a lot of people that their lips say, thy face, O Lord, will I seek. But that wasn't David's attitude, was it? He said, my heart was what responded. Let me say it like this. I love, I love when people shout amen or praise the Lord or, or uh, like Brother Miller said, won't he do it? Nobody can back a preacher like Brother Miller. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Amen. A guy, I could be dropping the watermelon and, and Brother Miller going to say, Get it done, preacher. Amen. I'm with you. Praise God. That's encouraging. Amen. That's encouraging. But it's an interesting thing when we have our mouths that say it. But please understand, Pentecost is not about getting the amen in here only. It's about getting the amen when you leave. And when your life says amen whenever you leave... That's how we know it was your heart that was speaking in the house of God, not just your lips. That was just a side note. It wasn't even in my notes. But my heart said, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. David was a man after God's own face. Oh, so you think think that I misquoted that, but I didn't. Yes, he was a man after God's own heart. But I want to challenge you to read the Psalms and see how much he talked about God's heart. He talked about his heart. He talked about the heart of man. But do you know how David captured God's heart? By seeking his face. Time after time after time in the Psalms. He said, Lord, don't turn your face from me. Don't turn your face from me. I'm, you said, seek my face. And I said, I'm going to seek your face. Yes, he was a man after God's own heart. But that was incidental to his passion every day that he lived. I want to seek after the face of God. He was a man after God's own face. Read the psalm. You can see his passion seeking after the face of God. How did he do it in his life? Not just with trying to live holy. Not just by, even when he did fall, still living a lifestyle of repentance. But he did it by recollecting the pieces of God's face that had scattered during a time of war. And when he got those pieces of God's face back together and he got them under a tent and he today that tent is known as the tabernacle of David we understand how that David sought after the face of God he didn't just do it for himself but he said this is for all the house of Israel That the whole house of Israel should know assuredly. 
And so, think about this. Psalm 24 and 3. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Now, understand the type of this is Hashemayim, the heavens itself. But there was also, just sitting just up from the tabernacle of David, was the temple mount. And he said, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? Where was that holy place? It was in that tent. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto? Not your face. Nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. And this is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. That should be translated as O God of Jacob, Selah. Not about my vanity, not about me. Not about what I've got. Not about what I think. Who's going to ascend to that temple mount? Now understand, David's calling. Yes, we know there was bloodshed. We know that it was in his heart to build that temple. But instead, because of what happened, what was he able to do? He sought out the pieces of God's face that were scattered about. And he brought them together so that his son would have the opportunity to build a house for God upon that holy hill, the temple mount. David was a man after God's own face. So when he got that ark into the tent, the tabernacle of David, then says, and I love chapter 16, because after he got it in there, he turned around, the Bible says, David blessed the people. He blessed them. Maybe old brother David wishes that he was a Levite. You think about that. But then he understood my blessing is not a blessing of commandment. I'm a king. So he turned around and in chapter 16, he said, Levites, come on. You've got a job to do. And it was then at this place that the Levites came and began to minister before the Lord. You can read it in chapter 16. I'm only skipping over it because I'm trying to get you all out of here. But he turned it over. He said, I'm the king, but I'm getting out of the way. These Levites have a commandment to bless you. And now that the face has come back together, it's time for them to speak that blessing over you. He got out of the way and he let the Levites bless the people and minister to the Lord. It was then later on that David said in the same chapter, seek the Lord and his strength and seek his face continually. Brothers and sisters, hear me tonight. You and I have a commission To seek and to save that which was lost. But you know how we can most effectively do that? By continually seeking the face of Almighty God. This world is looking for somebody that has been in the presence of the Almighty. 
This world is looking for someone who has had an experience with the blessings that come with being in the presence of God Himself. This world is looking for a people who understand the blessings of God's face. You and I can do this today because of what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4 and 6. And I am nearing my close now. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We read about the Shekinah, the Shekinah glory of God tonight in the First Testament. We read about the knowledge and the light shining. But to you and I today, it is made available to us because of the face of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Revelation 22 and 3, and this is where I shall land the plane tonight. Oh, oh, I will, I will. And there shall be no more curse, Revelation 22 and 3. See, today, our blessings have to pierce through Walls of cursing in this world. But my dear brothers and sisters, there is coming a day when there will be no more curse. But the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him, and they shall see His face. And his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there. And they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. I don't know about you tonight, church family. But I want to know the blessings of the face of my God. And even though today... Even though today we labor and we walk through this world facing a lot of cursing, yet I have a promise and you have a promise that there's coming a day there will be no cursing. And even though now we might see through a glass darkly, There is coming a day when we shall see Him face to face. We're going to know Him as He is. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. But until that day of no more cursing is here, I think I'm going to praise Him for a little while and be a recipient of His blessings in this world full of sin, in this world full of cursing. 
I want to experience the full blessing of the face of Almighty God. And I want to preach to somebody here in the last 30 seconds and tell you the face of God is shining upon this assembly. And I believe with all of my heart that if you're in need of a blessing tonight, you can receive it in this house because the blessings of God's face is in this place tonight. Can we clap our hands unto the Lord and let's give Him praise. Let's give Him worship in this house. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The blessing of the face of Almighty God is in this house. His light is shining in this place. His grace is in this place. His peace is in this place. <laughs> Lord, you said to seek your face. And tonight our hearts are saying. Tonight our hearts are responding. Thy face, O Lord, will I seek after. Can we lift our hands for just a moment? He is here. He is here. He is here. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Heavenly Father, this is the generation of them. Lord, this church, we are your people. This is the generation of them that seek your face. Oh, God of Jacob, we are the generation tonight. Shalom. The Lord bless thee. And keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee. And be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee. And give thee peace. Amen. And amen.